Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you and enjoy the message. Everybody wants to be the chosen. Everybody likes being somebody's favorite. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to achieve. And, you know, there's this phrase that says that anything worth doing is going to be difficult. Zig Ziglar actually says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you do it well. Which I love that phrase. But everybody loves to be chosen. And here's this interesting thing that we find in the Talmud that says in in the book, uh, in the tractate Shabbat in 10b, it says, and Rava said, that Rav Hamabar Gurya said, that Rav said, so this is coming down the line, a person should never distinguish one of his sons from among the other sons by giving him preferential treatment. Because due to the weight of two sila measurement of fine wool that Jacob gave to Joseph, beyond what he gave the rest of his sons, in making him the striped coat. His brothers became jealous of him, and the matter unfolded, and our fathers descended into Egypt. The Talmud says, don't show favoritism to your kids. As you can draw the conclusion there, the multicolored coat, the fine coat, the linen, caused, it was Jacob's fault. He favored Joseph above all the others, and because of it, they hated him. They threw him in a hole, and the whole thing transpired, and ultimately they ended up in Egypt, and then what happened? A pharaoh came to power who forgot Joseph and treated everyone badly. The lesson, don't treat kids differently. Yet, some of the great heroes of the Bible are indeed chosen, and they are treated differently. And it seems to bring, it seems to bear fruit to this statement from the Talmud when we look at their lives, particularly, let's start with Joseph. Joseph, I didn't make it up that he's his favorite, right? That he was Jacob's favorite. Yosef, it says in the text, he favored Joseph among all others. Why? Well, another argument to that Talmud thing and a a discussion about Joseph and how the argument is brought forth, well, we should never do that. But another argument comes forth and says, 
How could he help it? How could he help it when he contrasted Joseph with these other brothers? Why? Because he saw his potential. He saw. He gave eyes to see the potential. And is that the way God sees? 1 Samuel 16 would say it is, right? God does not judge. Don't look, at his, don't look at his weight. Don't look at his muscles. Don't look at any of that because that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing his heart, which actually is, I'm seeing the potential that he has for me. And we've talked about potential. We've talked about how God puts us through trials to, to show us our potential and that if we didn't have these trials, we wouldn't get there and all those other kinds of things that we talked about. But I wanna talk about something different today. The price of potential. And I want to look at four, four stories. I want to look at Joseph. I want to look at Jacob. I want to look at Jesus. And I want to look at Israel. Now there's a bad thing here. I got bad news for you. Yosef, Yaakov, Yeshua, Yisrael. If your name, Hebrew name, starts with a Yud, you're in trouble. My Hebrew name, Yehuda. Ah! Here's the deal. God seems to break this rule of showing favoritism. And he passes it down. Looking at Joseph and Jacob's preference for him. Do you remember Joseph? Like, he was, he was a good dude. He had a lot going for him. And he had this dream and he shared it with his brothers. And, and it was true. Like, he didn't make it up. It was, we know from the story that it was going to happen. But what happened? Jacob saw his potential. God saw his potential. He decided he would share it with his brothers. And what happened? They hated him for it. He's not the only one. Do you remember Jacob's story? Who saw Jacob's potential? Isaac? Rebecca saw his potential. Thank God she saw his potential because what was the alternative? Esau was the alternative. But she saw his potential and she made things happen in his life and what happened? His brother's uh, brother hated him for it. And what happened? He spent a good portion of his life on the run from his brother. Why? Because someone saw his potential. Yeshua. Starts with Yud. Did he have some potential? Yes, he did. Did his father see his potential? Oh, yes. He was his father's favorite. As a matter of fact, I bet he was probably his mother's favorite as well. I can just imagine the story. Yaakov, can you please sweep the floor like I asked you? But mom, oh, forget it. I'll just have Yeshua do it. He's perfect. I bet it was kind of a tough run in that house when your brother's Mashiach, right? 
But interestingly enough, his mother, his father, and a whole bunch of people saw his potential. However, what did the majority of his brothers do? They hated him for it. Israel. The chosen people, right? Tevia comes to mind. Why did God choose Israel? Because they were powerful? Because they were mighty? Because they had incredible attributes? Because he knew they'd never fail? Because why? Just because somehow, somewhere, he saw some potential. Have they, have they lived up to the potential? Not fully, but you're here because of them. The scriptures that you read, they've guarded. The holidays that we celebrate, they've passed down. Do they have potential? Yes. Are they chosen? Like it or not? Yes. Because God saw potential. And what happened to them? They're hated by their brothers. Who are their brothers? Unfortunately, we've spent several weeks talking about how sh who should be the brothers, right? Do you see a pattern emerging? It's not very good. I don't ever want you to treat me like I'm your favorite. I know. God sees someone's potential or someone sees their potential. It happens, it happens on earth, let's face it. I mean, we don't want to have favorite children and we don't put it in those terms. But yet, we see potential in certain kids. And what we try to do is we try to feed that potential. We try to encourage them to do the right thing and to become who we know they can be. Do they always? No, definitely not. But someone sees potential. God sees potential. And someone always hates you for it. Joseph's story is really one of my, it's really one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. He is such an incredible person what he overcomes, but the attitude he does it with. Do you know Joseph was handsome and well-built? And I don't think anyone liked him for that either. Except Potiphar's wife. She liked him a lot for that. And where did that get him? Well, ultimately, you could say it got him to the top of the whole second-in-command. But not easy because here's the deal. You have this potential, this person with great potential and character. And, and God's going to put you in a place where your light can shine, right? I don't like giving you these encouraging messages, but I just can't help it. That's where we're headed. You ready? God's going to put you in this place where the light and the potential and everything that you have can shine. But it's not going to be a cakewalk for most people because there is a price for potential. Now, Israel, well, let's back up. 
Joseph. Obviously, he's put in a place of power. Joseph, do you realize, and there's all these connections with Joseph and Messiah, and I'll talk about that in just a second, but do you realize that Joseph is the Savior of the world? God certainly put him in a place to shine. Jacob, do you realize that Jacob, though through all his trials and everything else, in a certain sense also, is a Savior of the world? Why? Because the 12 sons... The descendants that became patriarch or became the ancestors of Yeshua. Did you know Yeshua is the Savior of the world? Yeah. God puts you in a place. And Israel as another one, all these Yuds. God puts all these Yuds, not or Yids. God puts all these Yud Yids. You know what Yids are, right? Do you know what Yids are? Yids are Jews. That's like a slang term for Jews. And it's not, it's not derogatory, but you wouldn't go up to a Jew and say, hey, you yid, you wouldn't say that. So don't do that, okay? And you don't ever, like one of, one of the things that is so absolutely just pure ignorance that's demonstrated repeatedly in the South, people have no concept that you don't say to somebody in a negotiation or talking about it, hey, I Jewed him down. That's bad, don't say that. And you also don't say, I yitted him down, okay? Don't do that either. So anyway, we're way off track. But anyway, God puts you in a place to shine and he has put Israel in a place to shine. The chosen people. But how many times do you think Israel says what Tevia says? Even in the natural, he's put Israel in the place. Uh, remember when we were talking about all the medical things that have come out of Israel, all the advancements, all the technology, everything that comes out and all of the, the, the Jewish scientists and all these things that have happened through Israel, God's put them in a place to shine. But you know what? Almost always for these guys, there's a dark place first. Have you ever been in a dark place before you get to a bright place? Oh yeah, and you should be happy about it. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I want anyone to ever say when I say something. Okay. That would make my life really easy. Kelly, take a lesson from Steve. There are just dark places before the light breaks. Remember Jacob, his dark place? Wrestling at night by a river. Remember Joseph's dark place? He had a couple of real dark places. Down in a hole. Down in a prison cell. That's one of the... That, that line, it's, it shouldn't elicit this emotion in me, but it does. When I read that line, when Joseph is pouring out and he's, he's giving to the cupbearer and he's giving to the baker and he's telling him all these things and he says, please, please, don't forget me. Don't forget me. And the text says, they forgot him. And then the next chapter says, and two years later, he was in a dark place for a long time. Yeshua, dark place, called a dark grave before the light broke. Israel, I kind of think they're still in a dark place. But that will change. That will change. 
And that, I think, uh, may be the definition of chosen. I want to I redefine the chosen people for you, okay? Well, I don't, I, I'm not going to. I'm going to let Paul redefine chosen because this is what it looks like when you're in a dark place but you have this incredible potential that God's going to use, and this is what it sounds like from Romans 11. Behold then the kindness and severity of God. To those who fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. Who's he talking to? The Gentiles. His kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, and we know this text, right? Grafted in contrary to nature. For I don't want you, brethren, to be ignorant, uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own destination, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Just like Jacob. I'm sorry, Joseph. A lot of J's. There is a time coming when the potential will be realized. But right now, there's a price it's difficult to be chosen. Who wants to be? Who wants to be the chosen one? Who wants to have God say, you're my favorite. Now, go do these things. Who wants that? I'll take it. You all should take it. Because when you read after the dark place and you read the light and you see what happens do you know what all of these guys have and i'll call israel a guy i'll personify the nation should be a girl but it doesn't work for this message you know what they all have regardless of the circumstance and this is a key element for god to be able to realize in you the potential that you have there is never a time when they come through the difficulty where the light is directed to them. Well, Yeshua, he, no, never. Always reflected, always redirected. Jacob, remember what Jacob did his life? He had been running, he was petrified. He goes to the wrestling match and he's, he's scared because he's got go to go to Esau the next day. And he goes, and what's the language that he uses? This is the other part that every good hero in God's economy has. Humility. Humility. Joseph never said in that, well, he may have said, I don't know. But you don't have any recording of it, and it's not consistent with his personality that for those two years he walked around going, geez, I, I hate this. What the, God, what is this all? Like he just didn't do it. Because he knew what comes with being chosen of God. Yeshua knew what came with being chosen of God. But back to Jacob, what did he do? The first thing he did when he encountered Esau, he said, my servant, my Lord. That's hard to do for Esau. And then it's reconciled and God brings it together. 
And what does Jacob do? What's the first thing he does? He goes and he builds an altar to God and he thanks God. Joseph, what does Joseph do? When he's finally confronted with his brothers, and this is the thing that just kills me, breaks my heart, could you do it? Could you do it when they threw you in a hole and left you for dead and all the hell you had been through and then your enemy is brought before you asking you for help, could you do it? Genesis 45, 7, he says, God sent me ahead of you. That is a hero. That's what I wish I could be. It's what I wish we all could be. We all have the potential for it, but it has to be developed. But I love that. I was sent before you. Yeshua. What does he say in Luke 22? When they're nailing him to the cross, when he's done nothing, when he's perfect, when he's a perfect perfect Torah teacher and lived everything right. What does he say when they're nailing him to the cross? You're going to get what's coming to you, buddy. Go ahead. See what happens. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. That and Israel. Israel has a long way to go. Secular Israel, the nation, even the Jewish people, of which I proudly call myself one, we have a long way to go to live up to our potential. But according to Romans, we will. And all the world will benefit from it. All the world has already benefited from it. So, Joseph in giving glory to God after this has happened, and we're not there yet because it's in next week's Torah portion, but my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. Genesis 50, 20, you meant to harm me. God meant it for good. That's what a hero looks like. Your name doesn't have to start with Y to demonstrate that kind of humility and that adoration and giving glory to God. If you do it, it will change your life. If you are bitter, it will change your life. And so Joseph shows us all these connections to Messiah. He shows us connections to Israel because Israel is a chosen servant who's been through hell and back. But you know what he says? Yosef shows you about Yaakov. Yosef shows you about Yeshua. Yosef shows you about Yisrael. And Yosef shows you about you. There's something that starts with why. You are. You know why? Because you can take the attitude that Tevia takes and you can say, choose somebody else and miss this journey? Theodore Roosevelt, nothing in this world is having or worth doing unless it means, you're gonna love this, you ready? Effort, pain, and difficulty. Yes, encouraging, thank you, Rabbi. Theodore Roosevelt said it, not me. Nothing in this life is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, and difficulty. 
I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I've envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. I like people with potential. I want to be a person with potential. I think we all are. Do you? I think we all are, and we can all learn from this. And James says, you know, in James 1, the, the, the very famous uh, thing that you say to everybody when they're having a horrible time about something and then they want to punch you in the face and walk away, rejoice, brother, in all kinds of sufferings. <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell me that. Do you know how James describes him before he gets to that part? As a bond servant. Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. I would add to this. I would add to this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Because... According to the people that we've looked at today and numerous other stories that we could go through through the Bible, when you encounter troubles and they're deep and you're in a dark place, you know what I take away from that? I think that means you're someone's favorite. Someone, hmm, I don't know who, sees potential in you. I remember Jason Upton as a guitar uh, a Christian artist that I really used to love. He told this story one time about his guitar player. I think, I think on the front of his guitar, it said, God loves you. But on the back of his guitar, it said, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> the amazing and awesome thing is God is not afraid to play favorites. He's done it. And when he does, he gives you an incredible ability to handle things. That's why the scriptures that we love to say, I can do all things through Messiah, right? Nothing can separate me from the love of God. He has a way of picking favorites because he sees something in you. And here's the great and awesome, amazing thing to just be so super cheesy for just one second. God has favorites, but he's God, and you can all be his favorite. And that is the deal, but there is a price to that, and that's the whole thing. And it's not a whole nother message about challenges and being this. You already know that, and Theodore Roosevelt told you. Life is hard. but you are God's favorite. These stories demonstrate what happens when God picks a favorite, empowers a favorite, and that favorite demonstrates submission to God, thankfulness and gratitude to God, and humility to others. Those are the attributes of a hero. That's why God calls them his favorites. I think you should let him call you favorite. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.